live from the Denver Press Club presents the topic of conversation with your host, Rob Scoggins. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It is live from the Denver Press Club presents the topic of conversation. I am your host, Rob Scoggins. Um, we are having so much fun, and I want to welcome everybody to our second season. Uh, it's incredible that we've already wrapped up one season. We're going into our second season, uh, which we call our fall-winter season, and we're very, very excited. And I could not have a better guest to kick it off with. This um, this man has uh, has lived a life already. He's about to live another one. Um, he is a he's a he's a warlock now. Um, <laughs> he, he is uh, Aaron Lapidus, and let me tell you a little bit about him before we get started. Um, he has this um, great life story when he started off as a young man. He is the garage sale millionaire. I'm not sure if you guys know what that is, but I'm sure most of you are googling it right now. Uh, the garage sale millionaire. He has this great book. It is uh, worldly and wildly known, and he's been on several shovels, several shows talking about it. And we'll t- find out more about that in just a few minutes. But you can get this book on Amazon uh, for sixteen fifty of the hardback, and of course eleven ninety nine uh, if you have a Kindle or something like that, one of those digital book things, which I have nothing to know about. But we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. He is also the owner and operator of Fascination Street Fine Art Gallery uh, here in the Denver metro area, right over there in Cherry Creek North on Detroit Street here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, he owns that, and he, we're going to talk more about that as well. He is, please welcome to the show, uh, Aaron Lapidus. How are you? Thank you very much, Rob. It's yeah. great to be here. What a fun crowd. Yeah, we are so happy that you're here. You, you not only are, are you remarkable in what you've done uh, in, your, in your young life so far, um, it's just so cool to have you here. I mean, I've, I met you. It's so funny how I met you. I met you at... Um, at Denver Comic Con two years ago, the Denver Comic Con 2013, when we launched the uh, Rhino District Radio. Yeah, you thought I was one of those crazed groupies. No, I thought you were an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is, I was dressing normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he 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 came over and just uh, wanted started talking, and we 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 talked and we talked about what he does and all this cool stuff. I'm like, man, you're you're freaking awesome, and um, has a wonderful family, great wife, and uh, and just a great staff too. I mean, I have a great staff here. Uh, that helps the show go, but you have a great staff that helps Fascination Street grow. So. Yeah, I'm 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 very lucky. It's uh, you hire people that are better than you, and I've I've really excelled at doing that. Yeah, in this book. Okay, now this book is how old now? It's getting. It's like, I think it's three years. Yeah, I came out. I self-published at a <laughs> yeah. as uh, a paperback, and then um, I was picked up by Wiley Publishing, and uh, they bought bought my book, and um, we went to second edition. And it was just a whirlwind of how much uh, press I've gotten and how many different, from every, everywhere from the New York Times, the LA Times, to Newsweek. It, it's crazy how many people are into garage sales and how many people are like to hear about them. And we also can't uh, talk about the book without saying thank you to Jeffrey Dean Kern uh, for helping you write it. So Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, it, everybody has somebody else that helps. And I have to say he gave his heart and soul and helping me put the book together. He, he was just a great guy, a great friend, and just it was he was a good partner in the book. And he realized what a great story it is. Now, it's called the it's the Garage Sale Millionaire, uh, re, uh, revised and updated. This is the new release. And you have a and we have to talk about this cuz it's at the top of the, you know, it's at the top of the page. I'm sorry. Uh, here we go. Um uh, it is, says Aaron sees opportunities that others can't. Donald Trump. Uh, yep. a quote from Donald Trump. Now, how timely is this to have a quote from Donald Trump at the top of your book? Yeah, it was it, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> I did not know, and and, it, and I do get asked a lot about that quote. I was I did something for the Discovery Channel. It was the show was called What What Is America's Worth, 
and um, Donald Trump was the uh, he hosted the show, and they asked me. They put seven uh, multimillionaires on this show and how we made our money, and um, super rich people. And then there was me, <laughs> and um, <laughs> which was crazy because billionaires I, and then Aaron, then me, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it, it was awesome. They they flew me to San Francisco. And they go, this is what we want to do. And I go, okay, I'm, I'm prepared. And they go, we are going to give you $500. And we want you to find a whole bunch of stuff at garage sales in the morning. And I should say the morning is about two hours. And then we, in the afternoon, we want you to sell everything and make money. Mm. And it would be great if you could double what we give you. And just for that whole awe effect, shock and awe effect. And I go, let me get this straight. I got four hours to double my money in a town that I know nothing about. Oh, that seems easy. I'm bring it on. And so, <laughs> well, and, and how long ago was this? This was like two years ago. Yeah, two years and, ago. Yeah. And it was an hour long special. And I go, I, I was just so shocked because they had people first. The Isn't television amazing? Because I mean, they they make they 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 just tell you like go do it, and you're like what? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah and I and, and and really as hard as it looked, it, it was even harder. <laughs> and so it was um they they had me they had me on and then after it was almost like a scavenger hunt right i mean you it, described in it san francisco a, you described it as a scavenger hunt in san francisco yeah it, it was <laughs> just, just cra crazy so I'm, I'm going from one side of san francisco to the other which is um, not an easy town to get around in to, to begin with yeah <laughs> especially when the people were driving me they were from the uk <laughs> and they made fun of our roads and i, I go buddy i been to England. <laughs> you drive on you the should, wrong yeah, side. Yeah, you shouldn't be making fun of anything. So you had you had an hour or no four hours to go buy stuff and then and make a make a profit and yeah. and I was just in awe with the people that they the other people that they interviewed the person who put wheels on luggage and a multi multi millionaire sure. the other person was the guy who invented Bowflex. No. Oh. And so, not not schlebs here. No, they, they, these, these, these people knew what they were doing. Another person who I need to talk to that person who put tires on wheels because they break. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> we we I, I we have issues at my family with that too. And then a guy that decided he had oil wells on his land in L.A. and decided to turn them back on, and then he started to make fifteen million dollars a month. And then. It, just by clicking them on, dusting them off, and saying, hmm, let me turn on these oil wells and see what happens. Well, ta-da. <laughs> um, so, and then they had me, and I asked the producer, I go, I, I don't see the fit. I, 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 these guys are massive, massive millionaires, and then there's, there's me. And, and she said something actually quite profound after I'm like huffing and puffing from running around all of San Francisco. Um, she's, she said, Aaron, you know, those people... Most people can't understand and can't see themselves as those people, but people can see themselves as you, and you give people a hope to make money. And I'm, I go, that was actually quite deep, and I was and nice, it, kind, very. Kind. It, it was, it was very kind. And then, within a couple days of the show airing, um, I never knew what this term was. It was, it's called trending. Mm -hmm. I um, oh, yeah. trended on Yahoo. I made it all the way up to the seventh top story on Yahoo out of 81 stories. Wow. And I stayed between 7 and 14. A little scroll thing, right? Yeah, for yeah, yeah. for a whole day. Yeah, which, schleps don't make that scroll thing on Yahoo. I, mean, that's, I was the only one, uh, only one out of the, all the people that, that trended. So it, the show was put me in awe. I, I was really amazed. And how did you do? Did you do it? What's did you, you spend the five hundred dollars? Oh yeah, I doubled my money. I doubled my money. I do, and I was I was wholesaling. What did you buy? What did you get? 
This is the crazy stuff. Yeah, this come is, on. This is crazy. Pink um, flamingo, please tell me. Close. Oh um, I, I, one of the pieces I bought uh, an Elvis uh, in 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 Elvis doll that was still in the package. It was a, I think fiftieth anniversary or something like that. It was some 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 big thing of his, of his age. death or something. Yeah, no, he's not been dead for fifty years. Yeah, no, but it was his birth or something like that. Okay. It came out twenty years ago. I'm not exactly sure about it. it. Was a while ago, but it was a cool thing to buy. So I got that. I found a piece of brand new Samsonite luggage in the box. Oh. And I paid five bucks for it. And it was a piece of luggage that was worth $350 new, and it was never touched. Wow. And I was able to flip this to somebody that was in this one big antique um, emporium. And I was able to go to different places in this emporium and sell different things. And so I got that. I found a watercolor um, a piece of art from a famous California painter. And um, I was able to Google that on my iPhone um, and find out that she was famous. And so I bought that and I was able to make a lot of money. So I, I really, you know... I mean, so I, how much? So they gave you $500. At the end of, at the, end of, the, at the, end of the day, what did you end up giving? I think I made a little over, you know, $1,000 total. All, that's incredible. It, it was, you know... It was amazing that I pulled I pulled it off. It was so stressful. Now, can people YouTube this? Is this still available? Oh yeah, to be seen? It's, yeah. It's what's what's, it what's America's worth? What's America's worth? And so basically, they went all over America and they tried to calculate all all our minerals and all our if we sold everything in America, our furniture, our 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 silverware, our 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 oil, everything. What is America worth? And you know, Donald Trump kept on saying it's worth a lot. <laughs> it's worth a lot. Worth going, more than China, China, yeah. China, right? <laughs> it, um, it, it was it was it was pretty fascinating. The people that they interviewed were very very amazing. I was I was lucky to be on the show. Now I'm going to take you back before that happened, before the book, the, before you got to write the book. Now what's it's, it's this this part of your life is in the book. Let's go back to when you really, how far back, uh, Rob? <laughs> age eight. That can you do you remember that? Yeah, oh, God, it was a blur. Eight, nine, ten. What do you yeah. want to do? Uh, let's let's pick. go. Yeah, we'll go. To, we'll go to nine. Nine. Okay, nine. Um, <laughs> we we go back to age nine when you when you said um, to your mom. I think was it to your mom or to yourself saying, <laughs> "Hey, I want to sell some junk." Or, hey, that's or, that's another show talking to myself. But uh, <laughs> it was at that one. I'm going to just admit to talking to my mother. Yeah. So how did how did it all happen? How did you realize that you had the gift of gab for one? And number two, that you you saw things in junk that was worth something. You know, when I was, you know, nine years old, I my parents were very kind, and and I loved toys and comic books and baseball cards and just kind of stuff like other other kids that age. And and I kept on hammering my parents for more stuff. And you're from Denver. I am from Denver. Yeah, and you're, I, you're from that part of town, right? Yeah, Park Hill. Grew yeah, up Park in Hill. Park Hill and um, went to Manual High School and graduated CU Boulder. So I'm, uh, you know, I've lived here for you're 45 years. Yeah. yeah. And um, so she said, absolutely not, Aaron. You're not, we're not getting anything more. She didn't even try to sugarcoat it. She just said it the <laughs> way it was. Your room was just full of stuff. It was, just, it was full of stuff. Yeah. And she goes, I Are go, you a hoarder? Would you call yourself a hoarder back then? I'm a, I'm a closet oh, hoarder. Closet hoarder. <laughs> So I don't admit to anything okay. until, until yeah, you go yeah. into my closet, right. um, <laughs> until the cameras come out. And <laughs> yeah, like, hey, um, so basically, she said, "Aaron, this is what we're going to do. There's only one way that I'm going. We're going to get you any more stuff." And I go, "What is that?" She goes, "We're going to do something called a garage sale." 
I go, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. What is this garage sale? And she goes, you're going to go through all the toys and stuff you don't play with. I'm going to go with all the furniture and stuff of dad's that I don't want around anymore. And we're going to all put it on the, the front lawn. And people are going to run on up and give money to us and then take it away. And this is before you could you know, put it on the web. And this is, this is when you had to oh put the God. newspaper and put a yard sale sign out. This is back a, when people knew what a typewriter was. Well, there you go. That's a long time <laughs> So that's a long time yeah. ago. So, yeah, there, there was no, there was small little ads and sure. back of classifieds, um, newspapers, and, and, some, and that's the way you had and to you actually pay. Nine or ten. Exactly. Nine or ten and I found that fascinating that I could actually, we can put a whole bunch of stuff on the line, a lawn and people would give us money for it. And so we did it and the morning was fantastic and we sold a lot of stuff. And my mom decided, you know, I, I, my mom said, you know, your dad and I are going to go make lunch and, um, you know, just help if you need us, just come in and get us. My dad gave me some tips and I go, dad, what happens if somebody comes and wants to buy something? He goes, son, you just say, what would you pay for that item? And I go, that's all I have to say. What would you pay for that item? And then if I, then if, if he gives me a price, what do I do? He goes, ask for a little bit more <laughs> and then give a big sigh and then say, okay. And uh, that's how I actually sold half their living room furniture before they found <laughs> out. I literally, people were asking for, you know, a, a end table or a light or something. And I knew where all this was. And dad never said that I couldn't, you know, I, I was supposed to be selling. So I'd run into the living room or in upstairs in the bedroom. I grab their furniture and bring it out and they make me an offer on it. I go, um, okay, $10. <laughs> And, and, you know, it literally at the, when they saw all that money, they were praising me, but that praise didn't last too long. Let me tell you that there was a lot of words I didn't understand at the end of that. You night. sold some of grandma's China. Oh, I sold a lot of stuff, but I, I was proud. I got a lot of new toys. <laughs> you're like a modern day, you're like a modern day little rascal. Right? You're those spanky. Weren't, you were spanky. Those weren't the words they were actually <laughs> using to describe me at the time, but I'll go with that. So when did you, when did you make your first, I mean, how long did it take you to make your first million? Um, 24. 24 years. Yeah, no. To, oh, age 24. Age 24. Age 24. Yeah, and so the way I did it between, I got better at garage sales. I, I talked to my mom to having a garage sale every year. And then when I got to, I think, 12, I started to uh, buy more comic books and baseball cards and flipping them. And then early, 13 or 14, I started to go heavily into coins. And the, just the classic memory of my father when um, I would look at the ads and the classifieds and people would be selling silver dollars. And so I'd call them up, and, and back then I still had a pretty deep voice. And so I'd set up a time, and nobody would want to meet at their house because nobody wanted to let on where they lived with all sure. these coins and cash. And so it was always, <laughs> got to tell you, it was always behind, and I'm not plugging any restaurant here, behind a Burger King. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but every time I ask somebody, let's meet at the, the Burger King on so-and-so and so-and-so. And so we're in the Burger King parking lot doing these big-time two, three, four thousand dollar $4,000 deals. And um, they would drive up, I would drive up, I'd hop out, my father would hop out because I'd have all this cash. And the guy would say, okay, um, you want to walk to your car? And he would talk to my dad and he goes, yeah. And... Um, he hand my dad the coins, and he goes, I don't know why you're handing the coins to me. That's my son. 
who's buying them. The guy was just dumbfounded. So he looked at them, and then I look at the coins. And this process that he thought was only going to take 10 or 15 minutes took about two hours. So I wasn't going to spend hundreds of dollars without looking at every single coin. And my dad was just, the first couple of times, he was a little nervous because I had thousands of dollars in my pocket. And um, But we did it. He got used to it. Um, the fear eventually went away for him. And um, the fun and the bug of uh, buying and selling just increased to an epic level. The best thing about what Aaron Lapidus has done with his garage sale stuff is he's sharing it with people. And that's what the book's all about. He's actually sharing how he did it, how he did it, and how he does it, and that you can do it. It's, it's really quite fun. The best part about your book, I mean, not that it's, it's a good read, but the best part about it is the glossary of terms, okay? Um, which is a lot of fun because there are terms that garage sale people use that I had no idea. Um, about good, you know, uh, that we were talking about coins. Yep. About good. So, um, this might be about good. I mean, what is. Yeah, that, that's, you know, <laughs> it's not good, but it's about, it's basically, it's, it's the value of the silver. It's, it's almost there. It's, you know, it's, it's something that, um, you know, you have to call it something. Yeah. So yeah, it's about good. Yeah. Um, the, like I, I, I'm uh, almost skinny. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Sure. I'm about <laughs> average. You're right. Um, what are some of the best gloss? What are some of the fun, funner terms that you remember um, in the book that you just want to share with people? Fanboy. Fanboy. You know, that was a crazy term that I had no idea in my. And my co-writer came up with that, and I thought that was the stupidest term. But now everybody uses it, and basically it's somebody who is a big collector, uh, a fan of comic books, of toys, of something like that. And and literally the the book, I had to put the glossary terms because there's so many terms that when you get into collecting, you don't want to look like a fool, and you want to know the terms. So I picked some of my favorite, which actually I had to cut down that that glossary page of the book, the, yeah. the segment of it was probably 50 page longer than it was now. I had the, my publisher said, Aaron, uh, this doesn't work. The glossary is longer than the whole book. So that doesn't, we got to cut it down. So I had to go through, you know, the book and figure out the glossary terms that really were important. You're listening to live from the Denver Press Club. This is the topic of the conversation. And we have our great guest, a local uh, Denverite, uh, Aaron Lapidus who is here telling us about himself being the garage sale millionaire and a bunch of other things that are being, happening in his uh, crazy, wonderful life. Um, you had a little, small little show there that, that, that kind of blipped through the CMT world, uh, the, the, the country music television uh, show you, that you had for Yeah, I think the word blip was, <laughs> is a proper term because I was under contract with country music television and during the height of my career when everybody was, I was getting asked to, be written about and being on people's show and doing um, it's kind of a know, world talk isn't it? shows. It, just, it, was, it just boom. And it, just, it was all over. It was I, I was flown to Canada to do to do a talk show, and I was all over. And so it was exciting. So I signed this big time contract, and um, the deal was that they could. My contract was for one year, and they had to either exercise it or after one year they could let me go. And, and you had no repeat, no compete clause? In no, I couldn't do, I couldn't go after couldn't anything. anything else. Yeah. And I waited, it was, you know, you hear these stories about people, you never think it's going to happen to you, but I was at the peak of my career, everything was going right, and CMT held me to a contract, and then they released me 364 days into the contract, and mm -hmm. by then my kind of 
the the excitement the, of me was yeah. is on the down downward spiral. So you have empathy yeah. with Honey Boo Boo, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's who I'm comparing myself yeah. to. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that oh, up, Rob. Right, I feel right. a lot better yeah, about myself. Well, you know. Um, <laughs> The Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> you know, I have to say, she has a show, and I, I'm I'm struggling to figure out somebody to put me on TV. <laughs> she gets a TV show. The um the book is available on Amazon uh, for sixteen fifty. It's also available on Kindle and a bunch of other places. It's called The Garage Sale Millionaire, um, revised and updated, and it's a it's a wonderful read. If you want to get into garage sailing or doing you know selling stuff and and even collecting stuff, going around and, and getting stuff from antique places. And spinning those, right? I mean, you, people even do that, right? You know, so many people are doing it now. You know, I was just at uh, uh, Fox News had me on, and they're going to be showing this. They're going to air this in a little while. But um, they were doing something on Goodwill and um, an ARC and stuff like that and how to find great finds. And they called me in, and it is people are basically quitting their daytime jobs and going to these places and finding these amazing things. And it is it is crazy. And there's TV shows, Garage Wars, Pawn Stars. I mean, all this crazy stuff. And yeah, don't believe everything you see on TV. But um, tell us, no, tell us, share. It, it, you have to. I mean, just share a little. I mean, you're not you're. All right, you're, so you're off that world now. I'm off that world, and let's just say I was a little bitter at one time, um, for just a little while, yeah. and so I would. Uh, I had a big fan base, and so when when uh, Storage Wars came out, that was the most bunch of mm -hmm. crap. It's very edited. We know, yeah. Bit. Edited is just all staged. Yeah, and so many people. Well, even would, your show was staged. I mean, not not. I mean, your show was good, the one in San Francisco. But you know, they it, told you what to do, and you went and did it. They did it, but it, yeah. but it wasn't staged. I went to real garage yeah. sales. I went okay. to real people selling it. They didn't have to buy anything. Sure. And the the storage wars. What really bothered me, and why I spoke out a lot about it, and I I put it in my column. I I I tweeted about it is because people were quitting their jobs, their great jobs that were supporting their families and doing these storage units. And because they believed that every storage unit really had a pot of gold in it. And it was that that show was so staged and they were stocking the, the units and so everybody had a great find. It was crap. It was, none of it none of it was real. And eventually they came out and people who were in, in the show that were bitter about the show for whatever reason they weren't getting paid enough were actually admitting that it was all staged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy, they go, yep. And 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 I and it just made me mad that a lot because it really affected people's lives. Yeah, and people so, were quitting their jobs who were making ninety to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year to do this. To go do this, and they couldn't get their job back. Yeah, and I I wrote about this in my book. I one of the chapters is on storage unit auctions, and I've done probably a hundred of them in my life, and I have never found that those bars of gold, <laughs> those coins, the Babe Ruth card, you know. But have I found a lot of stuff? Yeah, but I I do it so much, and and that's the thing. These newbies that just want to get get that quick find weren't finding it and they were spending hundreds of dollars on junk right and so you know some and of the those shows bidding were the storage people exactly yeah. and that's, that's kind of the reason why i was bitter toward the show because it was not right how long does a storage unit have to be unused or vacant or not opened or abandoned 90 you, days 90 days that's it 90 days 90 and, days finders keepers huh yeah and wow. a lot of people think that the storage unit owners are excited about this. And, you know, I had a chance to interview a it's few It's a great of them. way to get rid of junk, isn't it? Yeah, but all the money, first, the money, the first level of the money, so if they get a couple hundred dollars off the storage unit, um, first the money goes to them to pay for 
the rent that was not paid and the late fees and everything like that. And then the second, whatever is not taken, they have to have records exactly where the money went. And the rest, they need to actually physically track down the owner and give them the difference. And they say it is it usually costs them money. Yeah. And they don't like when it happens. But it, it's a it's a phenomenon that actually, believe it or not, it still goes on. But instead of when I started doing this 25 years ago, there was eight people at storage units. Now there could be two, 300 people. And most of them don't know what the heck they're doing. But there were two or three shows on this. I mean, there were two or three, I mean, there were episodes and shows on, on storage wards and storage battles or whatever. And they were all, most of them staged, would you yeah. say? Crap, 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 crap. <laughs> Okay. That's uh, that's uh, they were were all staged, and in some of them they were staged really poorly because you could tell people were reading from a cue card. Yeah. So you know, I think it's a way people can do make it make money off of it as a great hobby. But the only way to do it is understand it. Do several of them and don't buy anything. Watch, talk to the experts that are, are actually doing. Go with someone who's doing it. Yeah, go with, people, go with you, someone like yeah, you. People would give you tips. I that's how I learned. I would ask, I said, why did you bid on this? What did you see? And they would say, you know, I, I, I saw an, an old bicycle or I saw, a, a, you know, a stereo equipment from the 70s or 60s that, that I thought was one of those tube stereos that were ve are very expensive. You know, they would always tell me what they saw that would trigger them to spend and, up and bid up things. But, you know, you could talk to other people that, you know, why did you buy it when they find out there was nothing in it? And they just say, God, that one, that one thing with a padlock on it misled me. I could have sworn if you stick a box, uh, a steamer trunk with a padlock on it, there has to be something valuable in it. And that's what triggered me to go all in. And, you know, they pop the lock and find out it's granny's old underwear and, and they're really upset. <laughs> Um, about uh, before you did before you did the book and before you did the show in San Francisco and CMT and all the good stuff you've done the past five years, you did something with NBC local. You were kind of like this the what was it kind of like the I don't know home shopping network guy. You know it. <laughs> I mean, you kind of, you know, you were, I hope you weren't trying to give me a compliment. No, there. That was, that was, I don't know if it was a compliment. It was, you were kind of like that guy. Um, yeah, family. Channel Seven had me on as their art guy and and put me in the field live, yeah. and I um I was able to lean on my expertise in art, and so I would go to things like um, the Cherry Creek Arts Festival and get to do a, a live report and do other things that really I I first I enjoy doing live TV. And but I got to talk about art, which uh, you know I truly love, and it was a lot of fun because I was in the field and I did it every Saturday. God, I had to get up early. But <laughs> <laughs> besides that, I didn't have a child at the right, time, yeah. so it wasn't as hard. Even though now I have a human um, alarm clock, um, but I love doing it. So it was, it was I was very lucky to be given the opportunity to do that. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk to Aaron Lapidus about. Fascination Street Fine Art Gallery, everything that he does there. I think you'll be impressed because he's one of the few art galleries in the country that gets to do what he does. And we'll find out about that when we get back. I am, uh, I am Rob Scoggins, your host of the Live from Denver Press Club, and we'll be back after the break. Thanks. Consider joining the Denver Press Club, which offers a relaxing atmosphere of camaraderie and creativity and serves as the hub for Denver's media, public relations, and communications community. It's the nation's oldest press club, with the first organized meeting held in 1867, and with the club making its home at 1330 Glenarm Place since 1925. 
please visit our website at denverpressclub.org to find out all the great things that are happening throughout the week, month, and year. We're open Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Come by and see us. Live from the Denver Press Club, this is the topic of conversation. I am Rob Scoggins, Jr., your host, and we're having a great time here tonight with Aaron Lapidus. Uh, we've already talked about his garage sale millionaire and how he made a million dollars by the time he was 24 years old uh, at garage selling. Unbelievable. And of course, now he is um, very well known around the Denver metro area and the United States of America even. And he has um, done some really cool things. He owns Fascination Street um, Fine Art Gallery uh, over there uh, at Cherry Creek North in here in the Denver metro area. So if you're in town, definitely go over to Fascination Street Fine Art and you will see some of the coolest stuff. And uh, how did you come up with the name Fascination Street? Um, I was uh, addicted to The Cure, which is a band. And I just, uh, it, there's a song, to, let's take the walk down Fascination Street. And I, when I was in my, I think my 20s, I just said, God, that would be cool for a store. And I didn't know what the store would be, but I just knew I was going to name something about Fascination Street. So that was my whole, uh, whole goal, was to have a store that I can name at Fascination Street. So it happens to be an art gallery, which was a great fit. And 25 years this year. You've had twenty five years, yeah. It's it's. I'm I'm uh, thirty. <laughs> thirty. <laughs> um, twenty five years gone by fast, hasn't it? It has. It, it's yeah. it's amazing that. Um, God, I turned fifty this year. Nah, it's nothing. It's, it's yeah, nothing. You it's, don't even look fifty. Fifties, as they say, is the new forties, and I, sure. I like to see who that guy is right now. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I I bones, you know I. Bones. I, I love the opportunity to. I, I never could believe that I was one of these businesses that has been around for 25 years, because you know I've gone through a couple economic downturns, and one was enough just to you know kick you like a donkey in the gut, and the the last one 9/11 was no walk in the park either. Sure, not no, definitely not for for and, art. Yeah, and then um, you know 9/11, literally the phones didn't ring in my art gallery for two months. Wow. It was just people were sad and they didn't feel like they should buy anything that makes them happy. They felt the whole world sad. They're going to be sad and they didn't feel right buying anything. And God, boy, did that was that hard on anybody who owned anything that sold, you know, art, high end jewelry, anything that was special. People, people just didn't, weren't buying for a while. Yeah, the the economy definitely definitely went sour at nine eleven, and I, and it's hard to believe that. Um, that's going to be 15 years old next year. Oh, I know. I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. And then, the you know, in 2008, 2009, that wasn't much fun either. The so recession, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was it's amazing that um, I, I got through it and I got stronger. And, um, you know, it kind of called the herd on art galleries, I got to tell you, because half of all art galleries and frame shops just disappeared. Well, you do it right. It's, it's amazing. I've been there several times. I've done some interviews with you there. Uh, up in your up in your nook, I call it your yeah, your my air, little air, office, Aaron's yeah. nook up there. Yeah. What made you get into this this style of um, art collecting and 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 was it comic books? Was it the love of of what type of art? It's going to be a little cliche. It's all right, but it was a love of a lady. Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> hey, hey, how you doing? Hey. Um, it was true. A, a woman got me interested in art when I was in college. And um, I was an artist named Patrick Nagel, and he was all the rage, very art deco, um, did pretty women. And, uh, and I saw it, and she bought me one, and, 
and then I wanted to buy more, and then I realized I had to go to these galleries, and they wanted so much money for it. And back then, I realized there had to be a better way of getting them cheaper. And um, I came up with the theory of uh, buying them from college students at the end of the year that these rich college students didn't know what to do with it. They couldn't bring it back home to the, their house on the East Coast and the West Coast. So they would sell them on, literally on pettings on the dollars. And so they would buy it for $500, and then they would sell it to me for $50. And then I'd take a little ad in the classified back then, because there was no internet, sure. and I would sell it for $250. So you're going back to your garage's L days. Yeah. yeah, and so I was flipping things, and... I ended, the publisher actually said, I, I flooded the market. I was moving so much art, and then I was able to buy. I found areas to buy from the publisher, and I flooded the Colorado market. I didn't think at, at my age of 20, 20 years old I could, I could move that much product, but I was mo moving hundreds of these Patrick Nagel. And I was a force in the whole United States because I take little ads in Hawaii and L.A. and Miami because he's a famous artist, and I was selling them all over the place. And I was doing all this business out of the bedroom of my parents' house. <laughs> I had a fax machine in the 800 you had number. no overhead. No genius. overhead. And it was coming the bedroom of my parents' house. I had a cell phone before the doctors in my neighborhood had cell phones. <laughs> and the classic Did your parents think you were a pimp? What was it? Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you what my parents... You're a little brothel parents, outside of your hand. I, I wish that's what they said, because <laughs> I, I would have felt really cool about it. But they, um, I bought this BMW with tinted, uh, tinted windshields, and uh, it was all tinted, and it was really an awesome car. Very pimp-like. Uh, yeah, right. Very pimp-like. Yeah. And so one of our neighbors asked my father and said, um, Ed, I, I have to ask you... Um, what does your son do for a living? <laughs> and, he, and he knew what I did for a living. I was buying and selling art. I took over half the house to do it. Matter of fact, he never he didn't have his living room anymore because my art was, you know, everywhere. And on it, it wasn't naked lady art. It, it was, was naked lady. It was Patrick, yeah, Patrick Nagel. Yeah. I didn't get naked until a little later on in my life. But anyway, so I bought, um, so he said, um, I don't ask and I don't want to know. Mm. That was his comment, and I and he told me that, and I and I because I wanted because after that this 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 gentleman's name was I don't actually know his first name I just called him Mr. Redstone because right, uh, yeah. back then I was always supposed to say Mr. to yeah. everybody so Mr. Redstone and Mrs. Redstone and actually the whole Redstone family looked at me always different because sure. they thought I was a drug dealer of course. And um, yeah. one of the family members, I think it was one of that cr those creepy uncles, always wanted to befriend me. But sure. um, that I, I don't maybe that I don't <laughs> know why some was cocaine. that yeah. exactly. But I said, Dad, you know what I do for a living. Why did you say I don't know and I don't want to know? He goes, Aaron, I don't understand why people want to buy art from you when they can buy it from a legitimate art gallery. I go, wow, Dad, you know how to kick and a guy when he's down. I go, Dad, I'll tell you why. It's because they want to save money. Yeah. And, and he realized that very clearly when streams of people would come into the house. I, I, I employed the whole family. My mom, you know, answered the door and uh, would escort people downstairs, and I'd show art, and, and my dad would, you know, would um, help me move art around and open up packages, and it was, it was a fine business until my parents kicked me out, and that's where I learned about overhead. Yeah, they... <laughs> <laughs> what, 25 years ago, what did Cherry Creek North look like over oh there, over there in, uh, you know, the nice, you know, the 
prophesied of Denver, they say. Uh, well, back then, if you compare it, it looked like a ghost town compared to now. Sure. It's, it, you know, high rises everywhere, big, you know, big cranes. You know, I was, you know, I started in Cherry Creek North um, when the first uh, Cherry Creek Arts Festival, Festival was. And it was amazing because I signed a lease when I, w I think I was 24 years old, uh, 24, 25. And um, the lease was for a half a million dollars. Wow. And, um, and that, ain't, I, that ain't no joke. That was no joke, especially back then. That was a lot of money. And I told my parents, I was all real proud about it. And they said, my parents, I've never seen my parents so mad at me. And they go, they go, son, you're going to be bankrupt before you're, you turn 30. And I go, first, thank you for the encouragement. And uh, second, you have no faith. You have to have faith. And I go, I, I signed a lease for $500,000. And didn't you live in half of it? Or no, no, I, I did not. not. That, that little crow's nest of yours? No, no, that, was, that was a different, that okay. was, the, my start was on Columbine and Third Avenue. Okay. And I, I kind of went, believed in the mantra that, you know, if I, uh, if I loan you $10 and I don't pay you back, you know, shame on you. And if I, if I loan you half a million dollars, you know, shame on me. So, um, you know, I, I believe I didn't have the money. I didn't have a half a million dollars. So what did I have to lose? Yeah. You know, go big or go home. Heck yeah. And so, and, and I went big yeah. and it was, um, it was, I stayed there for, I think around 10 or 11, 11 years. And then I got the opportunity to buy two locations in Cherry Creek North. And, um, and so now I never have to move. Right. Now you are unique in, in the way you market your art. Now, we will talk a little bit about some of the bigger celebrities that you've had throughout the time. I mean, obviously, you had to build to that. But let's start off back at the beginning uh, with Hanna-Barbera and Disney. Um, how the heck did you get them? That's a tough one to get. No, it was, it was an amazing time for me. It was, there, there was a gallery called Circle Art Gallery, and they were the largest uh, um, animation gallery. And they sold animation, but they also sold Dali's and different other artists. And they were very well known, but there was the only small part of the gallery sold animation. And I came into town um, with the concept that it was going to be all animation all the time. And it was never done in, in the United States. I was the first to do it. And um, I got Disney to come aboard. I got Warner Brothers and, and people did not like doing business with Circle. And I, you know, I did all my transactions over the phone and I would talk to people because I, I, back then it wasn't that accepting to be young sure. and doing these deals. And so I do everything over the phone and, and I was doing big numbers and the more things I did, the more people that wanted to sell to me. Yeah, and people who, awesome. don't, people who don't understand what we're talking about, Disney does stills of their animation. Say, say The Sorcerer's Apprentice with Mickey Mouse. Uh, that would be a still with him in his apprentice outfit or, or Donald Duck or something like that. Those are stills and they actually they, they can go for a lot of money for Disney. And now Warner Brothers, if you're not familiar with them, they do the, all the you know, pretty much so Yosemite Sam, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, all those stills. So those are actually worth uh, quite a bit of money. Yeah, those sales are worth, um, it could be worth anywhere from $500 to Disney are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, especially with the original backgrounds. Sure. So it was, it was an amazing time. I got to ha hang out with Joe Barbera. Um, if you can remember when we won the first Stanley Cup. So I had, I asked Joe to, to if you would want to go out to eat. And so we went to Carmine's on the pen and I knew the owner. And um, so we're eating and they had the, the big trophy and stuff like that. And, 
And Larry said, Aaron, you know, I don't know what to do with this big thing. Can I put it on your table? And so I had the cup on my table. I had hanging out with Joe Barbera, a legend. And then everybody, the whole restaurant heard who was at my table, that Joe Barbera. Yeah. So all the Avalanche team would file on up and to get pictures with Joe. And so it was one of those nights that you, it was surreal. Yeah. It was just, it, just amazing. And people amazing. who don't know who Joe, um, Joe, Bar Joe Barbera. Yeah, Hannah and, Barbera. And Hannah Barbera and William Barbera. And um and Johanna, uh, if I messed that up, I'm sorry. Uh, they they do Scooby Doo, they did Flintstones, they did Jetsons, they did all that stuff. So uh, huge, huge icons in the world of animation, and of course in your childhood. And he was just sitting there with you with yeah. the, with the Stanley Cup. With, with the Stanley <laughs> Cup, it was either go to Carmines or go to Shotguns. And I, at the time, I, I thought probably Carmines would be a little bit better. <laughs> what an exciting time for you! And when when you realized that this was going to work, that's really how it got started, right? Fascination Street with all the animation. It, it was, and then I brought on sports memorabilia, and and um, before the first Super Bowl, where we weren't, you know, nobody thought we could win. I did a signing with John Elway, and it was. It, I, I did. I had all these things, and people didn't think we we're going to win. But you know, I wanted to be ready, and so I had this art and these eight by tens, and a couple other um, sports stores came on in and got stuff signed. And I'll never forget the check of seventy-five thousand dollars handing it over to John Elway, and people literally thought I was a fool because you know we lose all this stuff has little, little no value. Sure. And um, so I gambled. So this is the reason why I don't go to Vegas, because I gamble <laughs> every day in my own job. So we ended up, obviously, everybody knows the story, and everything I bought sold within two weeks. That's unbelievable. And you're listening to Live from the Denver Press Club uh, presents the topic of the conversation. We are talking to Aaron Lapidus, our uh, great guest here. He is um, the owner and operator of Fascination Street Fine Art Gallery over there in the Cherry Creek North, and we're talking about how he got started in that world. And when I when I when I got to interview you to you almost eighteen months ago now, um, you have a great story about Charles Schultz and how you got peanuts involved in your art gallery. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. You know, I got a chance to meet him a, a long time ago. And um, Sparky, as they called him, I, I didn't call him, I called him Mr. Schultz, but his buddies called him Sparky. Um, I got to meet him one time, and I, I was just fascinated. I always loved Snoopy, Charlie Brown, the happiness it brought. It was always a cartoon I would watch at Christmas. And getting a chance to bring in the art to the gallery, signed art by Charles Schultz, and Bill Melendez did all the cartoons, the animation for all his movie, all his movies, and it was it was a phenomenon that you the people that love Snoopy crosses generations, and then just you know um, several years after he passed away, his apprentice Tom Everhart, the only person that's allowed to paint and use his characters, is now one of my biggest artists. And he was um, uh, Charles told him that he could take his characters and make them his own, and so he does these big splash of colors and excitement. And even if you're not a Snoopy fan, you just love it for the vibrant colors and the fun. And it makes you happy. And it's, it's Snoopy or Charlie Brown. It's all his great characters. It's awesome. And you have uh, Snoopy as the Red Baron. It's yep. awesome. And of course, the classic Lucy holding the ball for Charlie Brown and pulling it away. Um, it's some some great art that you have uh, floating around there at the um, Fascination Street with, with the Peanuts gang. So you have Hanna-Barbera. You have Disney. You have Warner Brothers. You have Peanuts. 
But you also have other cool stuff, too. I was so lucky and so honored to be a part of the when Mick Fleetwood was here from Fleetwood Mac and uh, his artwork that he did a year ago, almost a year ago today, where he took the pictures and uh, you letting me be a part of that, that group and that crowd. And I thank you again. The, that was awesome. I mean, having celebrities like that there must have been a treat for you. You know, it was, it was <laughs> having on. Mick Fleetwood, a, a legend, in your store, signing autographs, hanging out. It, it, was, it was one of those great moments that, what a great man. It was just very a, humble. A, nice very, very guy. humble. God, Got a chance and, to go backstage with him the next day. Could have played for the United, United Kingdom's basketball team, too. My God, exactly. Huge. Exactly. It was so funny to listen to him talk. But yeah, it was a great time. His art sold. He's a photographer. He took pictures of, of all the beautiful places that he loves. It was, it was a, great, a great time having him in. And then um, after that, you topped it on, you know, just about, what is it, not even six months ago, you had Yoko Ono. Yeah, Yoko Ono was going, she's, she's 83 years old. Um, 80, 83 years old strong, yep. right? Yep, and did all the media for the show and was going to pop into Denver. Didn't get a chance to come into Denver, but we did this amazing John Lennon exhibition. Which and, is still there. Which is, is coming back up coming for back, his, yeah. his birthday on the 9th of October, where John if he was alive today, would be 75. Wow. And so it was an amazing show. I would, you know, we had in those three days probably a thousand or more people walk through. And it, people, you would watch people stare at one of his pieces of art for literally an hour. You would see, I, I saw five people cry. And everybody had a story of, of where they were when John was shot or when a certain song they first heard it where they were in their life. It brings back a lot of memories for people. It was a very um, a, a great emotional show that I never thought it was going to to bring those kind of uh, emotions out. It was it was an awesome show. I look forward to his birthday. So on October ninth, twenty fifteen, uh, more more his art will come back. Yep. And then you'll you'll highlight it again. Is it going to be open to the public? Or are you doing absolutely. a private party? Or no, no, absolutely. And yeah. then on the ninth, the ninth, we're going to have a big uh, birthday cake, and we're going just uh, you know. Uh, uh, sing happy birthday to John, the, the legend who made so many, touched so many people's lives. And give peace a chance, right? Absolutely. I love it. Okay, now, the, the art that I love uh, here, and, I, and, I, and I, I think the crowd will too when they go visit you, um, is Kruger. Uh, Kruger does, and I have it on the back of his card, if you guys want to see it in the, in the live audience here, um, he does these awesome, awesome portrayals, and like this is, uh, who is that? <laughs> it's um, it's Richard. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's uh, Richard from uh, the Rolling Stones. So um, Keith Richards, right there. So he it does this amazing artwork uh, of these iconic uh, musicians and and things like that. Uh, Kruger's art is one of your staples as well, right? Yeah, he he's friends with all the Rolling Stones and um, Led Zeppelin and he, even movie stars like Clint Eastwood. Um, so he's allowed to paint these guys, and he, the way he, the detail, Keith Richard basically looked like death warmed over, but he, the way he's able to do his wrinkles and everything like that, it's just it, where Keith comes like he's right in front of you, and he really does look like that. The rest of the people look really more caricature, and, but it's just fun looking at him and how he takes the persona of that individual and brings it through in the art. It's it's amazing. We um, Sebastian is is an amazing artist, and we get to see him every couple of years when he um, comes over from Germany. 
Uh, wonderful, wonderful stuff that Kruger has. Uh, definitely Google Fascination Street Fine Art. Uh, you do not have to live in the Denver metro area to get this stuff. He, he will mail it to you if you want to talk to them. Uh, call them. Uh, he has great staff and very warm and welcoming staff that you can call and uh, and say, hey, send it to me. And of course, he will because that's how he started in his parents' in his parents' backyard. Uh, <laughs> backyard. Selling, no roof or out. anything. <laughs> Just a little tent. With with the Hanna Barbera stuff, have you ever thought about selling Smurfs? <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, uh, absolutely not. Right? No Smurfs. No. <laughs> I didn't know this show was going to be on comedy. <laughs> no, um, Smurfs. no, no Smurfs. Uh, Sorry, uh, that and Ninja Turtles. Um, <laughs> oh, you took me down the path. Obviously, I was going to go down it. Don't go in that way, huh? You know, there, there's the classics, yeah. and 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 maybe in fifty or hundred years, people will be looking onto the Smurfs and Papa Smurf as a classic that they have to tell their children about and show them shows about it, but. Um, um, not in my lifetime. Not right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so snorks are probably out too. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, the the whole idea of what you're doing. What's next? I mean, what what's the next? What's coming up? What's coming up at Fascination Street? What are you What are you doing after John Lennon, uh, October October 9th? You know, we we're lucky enough to have Todd White. He is um, one of the the creators of uh, SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, he he he's done something totally different. He does these. Good-looking women, good-looking guys, partying, playing the piano, playing shooting pool, all that kind of fun totally stuff. Opposite of, of opposite. opposite. Matter of fact, SpongeBob. he doesn't really like to talk about SpongeBob because you know he's he's moved That's on. Embarrassing! It's been on for twenty years. I, I, I don't I don't understand. He should be proud of it, yeah. but I you know SpongeBob SquarePants. Sponge. <laughs> I guess he gets tired of the song. I'm I don't sure. know. <laughs> yeah, he's people singing to him. I'm sure. Yeah. So um, he's does. Are they are they nudes? Are they Naked people playing the piano. What are we doing here? You know, Bob. This is about uh, Rob. This is about because I'm sorry to lie. This is about the third time you brought up nudes. Well, yeah, I just because you know you, you got you got to have some nude stuff in an art gallery. Oh, I, I thought you were doing it for ratings. No. <laughs> I kind of am. Yeah, it's getting a little get a little sexy here. Um, so, Rob. Uh, he doesn't do nudes, okay. and but it, there are some stuff that's more a little bit risque. Yeah. And um, but it's it's fun, and I think he doesn't want to. He doesn't. He pushes the envelope without crossing the line. Okay. And you also have collectibles there. You also have you know bear collectibles, dragons, dragon eggs, all this cool stuff. If people walk around, if you don't want to look at the art, you also have little cool, cool collectibles you can put in. Definitely, we have stuff. we have a, a Todd Warner who sells these little like elephant bells and different animals on the bells, and we do these the bronzes of cats and on uh, dragons. And it, it, the gallery is very eclectic. We have two galleries, and you know I, I kind of have fun with it. I, I I sell stuff that I would love to have in my house, and and if nobody buys it, it will be going into my house. So I have to be prepared for that. When is Todd White coming? Todd White is coming the second week of uh, November. Second week of November. And then and then we take and then you take a little hiatus for the holidays, kinda. Yeah. And then we come back. I'm in with, retail. There's yeah, never a hiatus. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean that's when you're that's when you're in the that's when you sell 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 yeah. uh, what you have uh, for the holidays. And then anything anything popping up for the new year in twenty sixteen? You know, we have some we have some surprises, you know, on uh, I I every year I have to outdo myself. And so I'm I'm working on some stuff. You know, the thing with uh, Yoko Ono. Um, she was very hands-on, and and actually she she actually signed the contract that I had to sign, and um, that took me over a year to get that locked down. Wow! And so some of my bigger shows, it's you never know it's going to happen until a couple months before sure. it happens. So next year will be as big as this year, or if not bigger, because I have some 
I have some a few things up my sleeve. I'm sure you do. What is what is tell people how to find you, how to get in touch with you. Tell them you know where they can where they can uh, you know hang out with you when you're when you're not on a when you're not at Fascination Street. Um, they can reach me um, at the garage sale millionaire dot com or Aaron at Fascination Street dot com, and both those. Um, if they're interested in the garage sale million millionaire and those things, they can go to my website, the garage sale millionaire dot com, and and then they can always email me if they have questions or if they like art. They can go to Aaron at fascinationstreet.com or fascinationstart.com and look at the website. And you're on Facebook and all that good stuff. I'm all over, man. All yeah, over. You're, you're <laughs> omnipresent, right? Yeah. So my my web got in this day was social media. So my gallery has its own Facebook page. Yeah. Um, I have my own Facebook page. I'm I'm surprised that here soon my son will will have his own Facebook page. Yeah, because he loves he loves this radio stuff too, doesn't he? He does. He how went, old is he now? He's six. So wow. When we were emceeing for the Autism Society um, uh, motorcycle ride, he was up on the stage with me, helping mm. me out, making sure I was doing my job right. Loving it, huh? Absolutely love yeah, it. Yeah. Um, you ready for Rob's fast five questions? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> You've done um, this before. <laughs> okay, but I wasn't briefed on it this time. <laughs> That's true. That's true. What is your passion? What do you, what, besides art and, 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 and being the garage sale millionaire, what else do you want to do? Believe it or not, Rob, I actually would like to have my own radio show. There you go. And so, you know, it's, it's something, uh, you know, I, I had a chance to be on PBS, national PBS, for almost 10 years. And and I liked it, but I I would like to have my own radio show and tell people how um, how they can like a money show that they can learn the ins and outs and how to protect themselves, how to make money, and 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 teach a little bit about garage sales. But it would be more about the aspects of making money, saving money. I think a lot of people get burned, and they're listening to the wrong advice and or listening it from people that did it a long time ago. I'm not going to mention Dave Ramsey's name or anything like that. <laughs> and, but, you know, haven't done it, are not in the trenches right now. Sure. And, you know, there's a lot of great people who are doing it, and they, they are lending themselves to the experience that they had. But, you know, I'm, I'm still doing it. I have uh, several businesses, and I'm, I'm still out there, and I'm still learning more, and I, I think I, could, I have a lot to share. It's so refreshing, that Aaron, that you would say something like that, because you've had a, you've had a you know, 15-year you know, time period in television, and yet you want to go back to radio. Radio is just that, it, it's intimate, isn't it? It's just, it's just easier. It's, it's now. You're, 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 people are hearing what you're saying now. It's an immediate... It's not um, edited. It's, it's not edited. Um, sometimes I've said some stuff that, thanks God to the seven-second delay, that were edited. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's here now. People are affected by what you say when soon as you say it. And I think that's amazing. I think that's really moving that you can... Really, you don't have to wait six months or a year for it to come on TV. It's people are listening to you now, and they're doing stuff. They're calling. They're making changes. They're they're doing doing taking your advice. Well, if you ever need a sidekick, I'm there for you. And of course, I you know I have a great crew, so you never know. Uh, down the road, you never know what might happen. Okay, question number two: um, What is your favorite thing to sell? You know, when you were when you're you know selling at your uh, Fascination Street, what's what do you love to see people buy? You know. I believe it or not, I still sell Star Wars. <laughs> really? Yeah, I do. I I have art that's worth a hundred thousand dollars, but um, the connection I have with people sometimes is what I truly love. I, I I'm a geek at heart. I love Star Wars, and um, 
you know, I, I, I then would be um, Tom Everhart's work because there was a piece. The Peanuts. The yeah. Peanuts, yeah, thank you. Um, it was called um, Sleepyhead, which where a dog, Snoopy, is on the head of Charlie Brown and reminds me of my dog sleeping on my wife's head in bed. Um, is your dog a beagle? And it, it was a little chow Okay. that was 60 pounds that would sleep on my wife's head and I would pet it and my wife would get furious at me. <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is that piece of art reminded me of that that time in my life when it was just awesome to see that. And, so, and that's what art does. It, it, it brings back a memory and it touches your heart and, and art like that you know, just like the Star Wars, it brings back great times for me, and that's what I like to sell. The um, the whole idea of you becoming the garage sale millionaire, was it, who do you owe that to besides yourself? I mean, obviously it was deep down in your heart to do it, but who was the person who got you kick-started? My mother. It was your mom. Yeah, no, it was it was her idea. It was, um, it, it, my dad didn't understand why we would do it. It was a lot of work for him. He was the one moving all the heavy stuff. Um, but my mom had it every year, every year I wanted to do it. And she is she really, still with us? She is still with us. Right. And she, um, she, she is, um, she really pushed me to do that and encouraged me. And my father really encouraged me to do that. They never encouraged me to get a real job, which kind of blew my mind. And kind of, <laughs> I, I don't know if it was reverse psychology on that or what. No, Aaron, we don't want you to get a job. We think having you have a real job and moving out of the house is Bad. The best part about life is finding something you love and getting paid for it. Yeah. And you found it. And it's, I, and it's, I, I did. And, you know, my hobby became a career. And i very, very blessed that I can do something that I love and, and make money from it. And I think a lot of people out there hate what they do and, and are always looking and searching for something that, that they truly love and have a passion for. You're going to be starting the second part of your life. You've, just done, you've, you've done 50 years. Now you're going to go 50 more. What do you want to do? In those 50 years coming up? Yeah, that's kind of a deep question. I was yeah, pre yeah, pre prepared yeah, for yeah, that yeah, one. How you doing? Hey. Um, you know, I, I have a beautiful wife and a wonderful kid. And um, my son is on the spectrum of autism. I, I'm lucky that he is very, very smart and is witty and fun and, and very loving. But because of that, he has guided me in another direction that... Um, I want to do more things with them. I, I'm actually writing a children's book yeah. that I'm working with a publisher to get on out because it's a crossover with kids with autism, working, uh, hanging out with kids that don't have autism because so many kids are trying to be mainstream that have autism and, and they're being neglected, abandoned, um, shunned in, in normal everyday society. You're talking about schools and, and life schools and, and sports and everything. And, everything. And, and because they are a little bit different and they're maybe socially behind a couple years, two, five years than other kids. And, 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 what, and what this book is all about is a lot of the kids, you know, they may be a little bit different than you, but if you give them a chance, they're going to be just as fun and you're going to have a, a good time learning and understanding them. And is it going to be a series or is it just going to yeah, be one book? It's going to be do a you, series. Do you have a name yet, a working title? It's, it's, go, it's, it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a boy called um, Penguin. And then it has crossed out Logan. And, and the mm -hmm. reason why I named that book that way is my son thought he, every time he got in a, in a situation that made him nervous, he would, say he, he would say he's a penguin. And then when things got really bad, he would say he's super penguin. And so he would go up and people ask him his name and he'd go, my name is Logan, but you can call me penguin. 
<laughs> and um, that was so that was easily the name of the book. And so and it's uh, and as many adventures. Well, I look forward to that. So it, it's it's fun to write. It, it's you know kids teach you patience, and um, and they make yes, you they do. and and they make you um, you can make you a better person. And I'm. I'm I'm willing to go on that journey with my son. I look forward to it. Well, enjoy the ride. I have a son too. He's 14 and a freshman in high school. So, enjoy the ride. It's an incredible ride being a dad. the The last question I have for you is that when you look back at, at your distinguished career and everything you've done up to now, um, what are you most proud of? My son. It, it's um, it, it's. You know, I, my life was easy until I had my son, and and you know, it was all about making a dollar and starting another business and and writing a book or being on TV. It was, it there was, my son is taking me to a whole different level of understanding things. It's, I, you know, it's hard. It, it's I guess you can understand when you you have a, a child. Um, I've been very lucky and blessed that I can pretty much do anything that I've wanted to do in life. I've just, I didn't really even feel I had to try that hard. So um, the one thing that's taken me, it's been a lot harder to accomplish is being a great dad. And I think that will be my ultimate triumph when um, I go through this journey with him. Awesome. Uh, when can we expect the book? Um, so this is from one of these publishers, a big publisher. It's not self-published. And I like to do things quick and that's <laughs> not their timetable. And so I will be lucky if we can see this in the fall of 2016. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to that, and we'll have you back on when that happens. This sounds great. I'll, I'll look forward to that. Thank you so much for being here and being the beginning of our second season. I can't ask for a better guest than you to kick us off, and I just thank you so much. Rob, thank you for having me All on. All right. And of course, I couldn't do the show without my incredible crew and staff. They are outstanding. They keep the show going. They keep me up and going. They keep themselves up and going, and we just do it weekend and week out every Wednesday night here at the Press Club. I want to thank Will, my director, producer, and great chief editor. He just does an outstanding job. I hope you like what you listen to. My IT director, he does a lot of editing as well with Will, Matt, and of course Chantel, who does a lot of our uh, marketing work for us. Mancho from Cameroon, who does all our AV stuff for YouTube. And of course, our wonderful executive producer, Mariah Weiss, who keeps us all tame and, and together as a unit. And uh, we cannot do this without the Denver Press Club either. The Denver Press Club hosts us every week. I'm a proud member and uh, very happy that we are here every Wednesday. And I want to thank the staff. Carmen, the general manager. Bruce Goldberg, the president of the club. And, of course, the staff here, Mark and Will, uh, the best bartenders and cooks around. So if you are in the Denver metro area, come by and see us on Wednesdays. We'd love to see you. With season two, I just wanted to say, listen, talk, love, and wake up with a purpose every day to do something good. And you just might be right down here with us in downtown Denver at the Denver Press Club as our topic of conversation. Thank you and good night.